The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast with the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of Professional Football Gambling, the Westgate Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. My guy, Steve Fezzik, at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to betonline.ag, use promo code PODCAST1, the number one, to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Steve, we have gone division by division. It's been great. I should add that those of you that are new to the podcast, I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, sort of your classic journeyman. And so we make our picks for the NFL games each and every week. It's a year-round podcast, and there's always something betting to talk about. But we specifically focus a lot of our attention on the NFL. Steve obviously comes at it from the angle of a professional gambler. This is what he does for a living, professional handicapper, professional gambler. I'm just a former player that gives you my picks based on my insight, my thoughts, knowing the teams. Last year I was up close to 40 units. Steve, I think you were up, what, like 20 units, something like that. So um, that's what we do. And every once in a while we bring in awesome guests like today. When we've got Cousin Sal from The Ringer, from The Jimmy Kimmel Show, we've got Cousin Sal, the man. We're going to continue with our divisional breakdown, talking about the NFC East and where all three of us see value or not with those teams. We'll also talk a little bit about Defensive Player of the Year odds, because something came out that I thought was really odd about the Defensive Player of the Year. Odd. So we'll get into that as well, certainly. Maybe get to an email or two. You can always take advantage of any of our sponsors. And then after you take advantage of them, send the email to me, ross at rosstucker.com, and say, all right, right, Ross, I took advantage of your awesome underwear, Saks underwear, or bet online, or I downloaded the BetQL app. And why wouldn't you, by the way? I, it's not surprising how many of you have emailed me 
showing me and telling me that you download the BetQL app. Number one, you can use their trending value, t- value tool to identify the best bets for the day, which is pretty awesome. You can also check all of the line movement on that contest, on that game, so you know when and where and why the line has moved. Finally, you can see where the public's betting. That's always, if you just listen to Steve and just fade the public, that's usually a pretty good strategy. So there's a lot of good things to get on the BetQL app, and there's a lot of good things to get anytime you get a chance to talk to a guy like Cousin Sal. You know, I would say the guy needs no introduction, but that's such crap. Everybody needs an introduction. You know what I mean, Sal? I do, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he is a writer for Jimmy Kimmel Live. He's the host of the Against All Odds podcast. And it looks like he might have one day thrown the opening, you know, the first pitch at a Mets game and he's left-handed. Is that true, Sal? I, it's all true. It's all true. It was a it was a Tuesday uh, about three years ago, a Tuesday game at noon against the Cubs, and there were about 600 people in the crowd. Most of them um, uh, were were there early from their camps. It was like a camp trip. So when I did <laughs> when I threw the pitch and did the Jesse Orozco celebration afterwards, uh, it fell on deaf ears and eyes and everything. But yeah, it was a thrill nonetheless. <laughs> Check him out on Twitter at the cousin Sal, and you can go to his website cousinsal.com. Sal, we've been going through all the divisions, and Steve and I have just kind of been breaking down the team with our thoughts and which way we lean or feel strongly about uh, from their season win total number. So let's get into the NFC East. We usually start at the top, Steve, and I know that's. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. What's their current number, Steve, and what are you thinking about the birds this year? Yeah, so the Eagles are anywhere from 10 to 10.5 season wins. I have them as my number one rated team in the NFL above New England. I think um, in many ways, two years ago, they should have won nine or ten games, and they only won seven in Wentz's first year. As long as Wentz is close to 100%, I see more good stuff happening for the Eagles. Wow. All right. So 10 or 10 and a half kind of feels a little bit low for me, Steve. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a, has, has that number been affected at all by Carson Wentz's status or that he's not practicing or not going to play? In the, like, are they taking that into account that there's a chance he might not play the opener or are they just all in thinking he'll be there? Oh, there's a chance that he would not play. And a lot of the reason that you're seeing so many 10s and 10 and abs on premium teams like the Eagles, like the Rams, like the Vikings, is that Football Outsiders does a really, really great job forecasting the wins for all these NFL teams. And they have a huge regression model where basically they assume that any really good team is going to get worse any bad team is going to get a lot better, and almost all their projections fall between six and ten wins, and that's a big reason why you see the marketplace collapsing these teams into those corridors. Sal, what are you thinking about about the Eagles at that number right now, ten or ten and a half? Well, I think I think if you get it at ten and a half, I would go under. I would go under with almost any Super Bowl winning team. I think there's a Super Bowl hangover. I think everyone's out to get you. You play a first-place schedule, and, you know, everyone's after me, like, 
first place schedule is only two games. Well, it's Minnesota and at the Rams. And two games is what's two games? You you went to Ivy League uh, school, right, Ross? So that's like thirteen percent of the games. I think that's a a big deal. If you told the Yankees they had to play. Uh, 14 extra games, seven against the Astros and seven against the Red Sox. You're like, wow, that's unfair. But that's that's what the Eagles are looking at here. And I just think so. They had 13 wins last year. I think they go down to 10 this year. They have five five primetime games. They have to go to London and play the Jags. Three of the last four are on the road. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It was a little fluky last year. I'm I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm not an Eagles believer. And I think they're. Uh, they're one Julio Jones end zone slip up away from being bounced in the second round of the playoffs. Maybe this team isn't as spectacular as we think. They were 29th in the league against the run last year. They get Michael Bennett, but they lost Mikael Kendricks, which is going to be big. And even bigger, they lose Patrick Robinson in the slot as a corner. So I think they go down. I like them as a 10-win team. I think they win the division, a mediocre division. Let's not forget the NFC East plays the AFC South and the NFC South. I think those are two powerhouse divisions. So I think 10 teams in a division win for the Eagles is probably more realistic. You know, Sal, you make a pretty compelling case because my initial reaction was that they would get to 11 and 12 or 12 wins. I think they got a loaded team, uh, and they got almost everybody back. They get guys like Peters and Hicks and, and Carson Wentz, of course, coming back from injury. I guess – my concern yeah. is in part the schedule that you mentioned, but also I think yeah. that the division is going to be better. I mean, I think the Cowboys will be better. I know. I think the Giants will be a lot better, and I think the Redskins will be better. And last year, I, they didn't sweep it because, what, they lost the Cowboys in that last meaningless game or whatever. But you combine, you know, the division being better – with playing the NFC South, which I think is probably the best division in football. And even, you know, I, I live outside of Philadelphia, and, I mean, people are still celebrating. So I'm kind of with you. Um, I don't have a strong lean, but I guess I'd probably go a light lean to the under and, and 10 and 6 as well. But not, I don't have a strong take on it, Steve. What, did, I don't know if you said, Steve, which way you're leaning. I actually lean over. Um, Sal brings up some great points. You know, I do a strength of schedule analysis on all the teams, and what mitigates that two really hard games for the division winners is that they don't have to play themselves. So they get to play the bottom uh, feeder twice instead of themselves. So basically I spent an entire weekend doing strength of schedule, and it's so close for all the teams that there really isn't that much disparity the one thing about the eagles and it's a great point that um any better play calling and julio jones catches the pass and the eagles are done in the playoffs but they were still getting used to Foles being quarterback and they really struggled the last three games so i think their stats are skewed from last year from those games they had to play with Foles before he figured out how to play quarterback like an mvp which he did in the final couple playoff games What's next, uh, Steve? I'm guessing the next team is the Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys, eight and a half wins. Very intriguing team because what really happened? What went wrong last year? And I would argue that that juggernaut O-line, which was the best in the league, just became a pretty darn good O-line. And I think a big part of that was their left tackle, Tyron Smith, missed some games, and he basically played hurt the whole second half of the year. 
And Elliott only got to play 10 games. And when he did play, he wasn't nearly as effective as he was the year before. And I think that that lack of a rushing game really hurt Prescott and put too much pressure on him. I think that Dallas is going to probably bounce back. They won nine games last year. I could see him winning nine or ten. I'm going over the eight and a half. It's kind of interesting, Sal, that they are at eight and a half when they won nine last year, and you'd have to think that they'd be better. I I guess the concern there is the wide receiver position, but I'm with Steve. I mean, Tyron Smith being out didn't even give them a chance to win a couple of games there, which is their fault. Uh, What are you thinking for the Cowboys? Yeah, you know, and they're over on the last year was nine and a half, and they got to nine, and now it's eight and a half, and I think it's, I think they're going to get to seven or eight. I, I don't I don't love them this year. I have to say, I, you know, I don't think I think the wide receiver thing is a problem. I don't think Jason Garrett is going to figure out how to use Tavon Austin. Believe it or not, um, you know, the tight end position is a problem. What is, is is it Jeff Swain who's their best tight end? I just I don't like it. I know, I know Dez is on his downside, but you're getting rid of leaders there, and Dez and Witten, and you're replacing them with, like, Alan Hearns and Davon Austin, who, like I said, I don't know if they'll be able to use. Uh, it's nice that they paid Zach Martin, shore up that offensive line. David Irving suspended the first four. I don't like their schedule, the first six. They're at Carolina, at Seattle, at Houston. They play Jacksonville in that first six. They play Detroit. That's a, it's a lot of playoff teams or potential playoff teams. And, you know, listen – Here's the bottom line. Sean Lee gets like a 91 rating uh, against the run defense. When he's in there, it's a whole different story. If he if he can't stay healthy, which you have to say, what do you put his over-under uh, for games played? You put it at, what would you say, like 11 and a half? I don't know. I think, I think you need Sean Lee for 16 games to be competitive, and that's why I would go slightly under with the Cowboys, too. I was going to ask you, Sal, if, you know, because you're a fan of the team, if it ever affects your – you're gambling, but evidently not. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess not if you're if you're calling them on the under. It's an emo- it's called an emotional hedge. I've I've learned after all these years, like why why brag about how they're going to go fourteen and two when I can just say no, they're going to suck, and then I'll just be uh, pleasantly surprised if they put together like ten wins somehow. So, so you, you bring know, up a great funny. point about Sean Lee because I have read stuff that he is one of the best in terms of deciphering the play calling for the offense and literally is directing his team in terms of what play is coming. And in some select games, he's worth more than any defensive player in the league because of that ability. Have you heard about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those numbers bear out with the run defense. Like I said, the run stoppage. I think he stops like 11.9%, which leads all linebackers. It's uh he really is a force. Like, I don't know, you, you would think the casual fan throws that in there uh, about John Lee, but <clears throat> then when you break down the numbers, he's, he's everything that everyone says he is in that regard. Um, I, I would lean <laughs> under as well. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm still not totally convinced about Dak Prescott, and then you're going to have him go ahead and have this receiving core and this tight end crew. Um, I, and I don't know, I mean yeah. – to, to my knowledge, Tyron Smith still hasn't had that back surgery, so I don't know that it's not going to flare up on him. I've been there. That's, it never really goes away. I mean, you just kind of try to manage it. By the way, just as an aside, if you're Des Bryant and you're trying to play football, calling out Sean Lee is like the dumbest thing you can do because guess what? 
Sean Lee called you right back out and said, yeah, we butted heads. The guy's not accountable. You're trying to get hired, and you just had one of the most respected players in the league say that you're not accountable, and a lot of the team feels that way. Not, not real bright from, uh, from Dez. Let's right. get to the – is it the Giants or the Redskins next, Steve? Well, it was the Redskins. Both teams are lined at seven wins, but now money is – pouring in on the New York Giants such that if you're going to play over on the Giants, you've got to pay more than minus $1.10. You've got to pay a minus 130 right now. So the Giants are forecasted to be the third best team in the division. And I've got to tell you, I understand the reasons for optimism for improvements. I think the team quit on McAdoo at the end of the year last year. They only won three games. But I have Eli Manning ranked as one of the four worst quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And I look at the metrics of the defense that was so poor last year. I get it. Wide receivers are going to be much better. The offense is going to be better. I still don't see how the Giants win eight games. I'm going against the money here. I'm going under seven. So, Steve, weren't they like, weren't they five and a half or something a couple months ago? I mean, they were a lot yeah, they, lower, right? They, I saw yep. six. And it then it went to six and a half, and now all the way up to seven. And, you know, frankly, I don't think there's any hurry if you like the under. Um, there's a lot of guys in the media that are touting, talking up the Giants and how they're back. I think this total could go up to seven and a half. Uh, what are you thinking about the Giants now that they're at seven, Sal? You know, I, I don't like it at all. I think there's too much action, as Steve pointed out. It was open. You saw it at five and a half or six. Now it's seven. Now the, the minus money is on the over at seven. I, I think this is a stay away. Can I say stay away? Because I think it could exactly jump on seven. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, if they're six and nine, week 17. I don't even know where they play week 17, but <clears throat> trying to get to seven. But I think it's going to be right there. Look, they bolstered the offensive line. I think it's put up or shut up time for Eli. Like he's gotten a pass from the fans, these same fans who want to give him the hook and start the Syracuse guy, Nasib, for the last seven years before they let him go. And, look, it's, he's got Barkley, he's got Beckham, he's got Ingram. He's got to do his thing right now. He's got Nate Solder at tackle. Um, their offense should be better. What's not good is their schedule. Look at those first seven. Jacksonville, at Dallas, at Houston, New Orleans, at Carolina, Philly, and at Atlanta. Oh, my God. How many wins are in there? Is that is that three at most? Is that four and three if the if some miracle happens? I don't I don't like the Giants there. I think they hover around five hundred all year long and maybe have to do some catching up to get there. And I think Eli Apple needs to step it up. Their pass defense is, is not that great. Aside from Janaris Jenkins, um, they're in trouble there with William Gay back there. And uh, you know, Landon Collins had a little regression from his dominant year two years ago. Losing Rogers Cromartie is big. I say exactly seven. If I had a trend, I would go maybe under a little bit, but I'll go exactly seven and say it's a stay away. Yeah, I, I, we usually just say I, don't, I got nothing. I got no lean either way, and I would go. I mean, when they were yeah. six, six and a half, I would have leaned over at seven. I'm probably with you. Um, I, I think seven and nine sounds like a, a pretty good number for them, and that's about where they'll end up being. So. I'm with you. I don't really have a strong lean. I guess if I had to now at seven, I'd maybe do a slight lean to the under since they're playing the NFC South this year. 
But um, I'm just going to say it, it's, it's right there. I don't have a strong enough lean to put people in that direction. All right, let's get to the Redskins, Steve. Yeah, and right before we do the Redskins, quick note, week one money, not surprising, is pouring in on the Giants. Sal mentioned that they're playing Jacksonville, and the Giants were catching four points in that game. Now they're going to be catching three because all the three nabs are getting taken out. Once again, the wise guys and the public are both betting the Giants. Redskins season win number is seven. Uh, I've seen a little vig actually on the under. I think that's because of the perception, and I agree with this, that it is a quarterback downgrade. You go from Cousins to Alex Smith. I understand Alex Smith had a great year last year, but for years he was just Charlie checked down and was unable to throw the ball down the field, and then he had all those awesome weapons with, Wash, with, with, when, with Kansas City. I think there's going to be a transition, especially in September, where without those wide receivers, um, without Kelsey, I think that this offense is going to take a step backwards. I don't trust the defense. I think Washington looks to be the worst team in the division. That's where they're lined. I would lean under the seven wins. Sal? I, you know, I, I, I don't know why I'm going over here because everything I'm about to say would, would, would suggest that they're going to get between five and seven wins, but I like the Redskins to be the surprise team in this division. And by surprise, I think like eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't even think Alex Smith is better than Kirk Cousins, but I think in this Jay Gruden system, it could work out. And, and, you know, they signed Paul Richardson. They gave him $40 million. Now they have Doxon Crowder. Reed, the tight end, his health is a, is a big issue. Um, if he could stay on the field, I think, uh, you know, Alex Smith makes good tight ends even better. Their run defense was atrocious last year. It was, it was dead last, I think. And now they drafted, like, the two interior linemen from Alabama, Payne and Jonathan Allen. I think that's going to help. I think they have Skandrick in the uh, corner in the slot. It, it's going to help. Uh, they, they made some nice pickups. Jack, Zach Brown is like one of the best linebackers against the run. I'm going over here. I like their first three games are winnable. They're at Arizona. They're home against Indian and home against Green Bay. Um, and then they have Thanksgiving against Dallas. Only two primetime games. They could really slip under the radar here. I like the Redskins to have eight or nine wins in 2018. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Sal, because we did the AFC, and there were AFC divisions like the South and the East that Steve and I, we weren't even just saying leans. We were like, put your money on this. Felt so. I don't know that I feel that strongly about any of these NFC East numbers. I feel like they got a lot of them right on. I would say I'm a slight lean to the over on the Redskins as well. I think they're going to surprise some people. Nobody's talking about them. I'm not convinced with his running ability that Alex Smith even is a downgrade a quarterback for the Redskins. I think they're going to be a lot healthier on the offensive line than they were last year. And I think defensively, you know, you bring in Skandrick, who's still feisty. I think they'll be better up front. They kind of have to be. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that the Eagles win 10 games. The other three teams all win between 7 and 9 probably when it's all said and done. And I think that includes the Redskins who get to 8 or 9. So I'll give them a slight lean to the over. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys both about before we let you go, Sal, is I just saw today the Defensive Player of the Year odds came out. And I know Steve usually don't like these bets. He don't think they're a very good bet. They're kind of a needle in the haystack. But the odds-on favorite to be the defensive player of the year in the NFL is J.J. Watt 
who I think has played in 11 games maybe the last two years. He's had multiple back surgeries and a broken leg. So you guys know about this more than I do. Steve, you live in Vegas. This is what you do for a living. How can I bet against that? How can I make money betting against J.J. Watt being the defensive player of the year? Because there is no chance that that happens. I, I agree. I mean, he's not even the best defensive player on his team. Merciless probably is if Merciless is close to healthy. But the problem is, what does it matter if the yes number is small if you can't bet the no? And ideally, you want to be able to bet yes or no. That's why the pros love the season win bets where you can bet over or under and you can take both sides. If I got one minute, Ross, if I could talk about the Redskins schedule real quickly. Go for it. Because I don't see any games that they're really favored to win. So how are they going to win eight games? They're at Arizona, Indianapolis, Green Bay, at New Orleans, Carolina, Dallas, at the Giants, Atlanta, at Tampa Bay, Houston, well, I think, at I think they'll be favored to win the first two you said, Arizona and Indianapolis. Yeah. Nah, pick them. Right, yeah, Indianapolis uh, at home, they'll, they'll be favored, no? They'll be favored by two. I'm, I, I look at their schedule and I see a whole bunch of games that they're either going to be pick them or they're going to be a six-point underdog, and that does not equate to eight wins. Well, we'll see. So, right. Steve, are you telling me yeah. there's no way I can make money off of J.J. Like, I can bet on J.J. Watt to not win Defensive Player of the Year, even though he's got the best odds? There's got to be something somewhere, there. right? Nope, because no one would put up the no. It's kind of similar to like a Tiger Woods to win a championship at the PGA. Tiger is, is like 20 to 1 to win the PGA. I would lay 50 to 1 that he won't, but I can't find it right now. Sal, what do you think you they're even thinking? If he's, if he's in contention Sunday, uh, you could find the top golfers. Like uh, You could bet against every single one of them if you wanted to. But I think, I think what I would do, Ross, for that is the way to bet against it is Pick two that you like. I, I actually looked at that last night. I think Aaron Donald is five to one. I think Khalil Mack is five to one. I would jump on those two, and I was actually thinking of doing that anyway. Hope that Von Miller, you know, has a down season. And you know, like we said, we don't. We I don't think any of us think that JJ Watt's the top defender right now. And obviously, there's injury risk. So I think that's a kind of a way to hedge against the the JJ Watt to win the whole thing. Yeah, they're, I like I'm that, at, except we've got two guys that both are very unhappy with their contract situations right now. Right. Yeah, you'd have yeah, to but maybe, out, but maybe this may, morning that Donald didn't fall apart. So. Yeah, but hey, guess what, Steve? That, that they, they might play angry. Maybe that means they go out there and have an unbelievable year. They're the last two defensive player of the years in the league. So that, that's, that's interesting, Sal. That's an interesting way to look at it. Sal, this was awesome. Really appreciate getting you on. Encourage people to check out the Degenerate Trifecta over at Against All Odds podcast. Um, You you know, obviously you can catch Sal on Twitter as well, at the Cousin Sal. Very popular uh, buddies of his. They get together. They bet as well. And they bet even on crazier stuff. And I'm looking at Twitter right now, and they're placing odds on the worst thing about summer. (laughs) Mosquitoes. Dude, how can exposed uh, toes? Who cares about exposed Are you like Damashek with exposed toes? Are you one of those guys? I don't like it. I don't like it. I I see the pictures of it on a a plane, and it it ruins my day. I don't like the exposed toes. Too many entitled people out there. (laughs) I wear flip-flops every day of my life, and I am proud of it, Sal. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ross, I look forward to next year at the uh, National Fantasy Football Convention. 
elbowing you out to try to interview the uh, seven-string running back for the Broncos. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Al. Take care, buddy. See you, guys. All right, so now that you got the opinions of three, not one, not two, but three experts when it comes to gambling, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I can call myself that now after last year. You go to Podcast One and you use the code Podcast One at betonline.ag. So write that down, betonline.ag, and write down Podcast, the number one, you get a 50% sign-up bonus, 50% when you go to betonline.ag. So if you're into baseball or if you just want to make baseball tolerable, go ahead, betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, or if you want to start to bet these preseason games. Yes, there are degenerate people that bet the preseason games. Why not? I don't even know why they call it degenerate. How about just having fun? How about fun people that bet the preseason games? BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. Let's get to an email, Bri. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address ross at rostucker.com. Here's how it works. You take advantage of any of the sponsors, BetQL or SeatGeek or BetOnline or whatever, and then you forward it to me. Hey, Ross, look, I did what you said. I took advantage of your awesome deal at BetOnline or your awesome code at SeatGeek or I downloaded the app for BetQL, whatever. Send to me, Ross, at RossTucker.com, and then ask Steve any question you want. Any question you want, and you'll get a chance to hear what he has to say. Pretty darn awesome. So here's this might be one of my favorite email questions we've ever gotten, Steve, because it's not a question. It's a comment. It's from Elijah Ferreira, okay? Do you remember, Steve, your two soccer rule changes? Yes. What were the, they? Well, the key one is that, one, the goalie is not allowed to catch the ball, and if he does catch it, similar to in hockey, um, if the goalkeeper catches it, there's a face-off in your end, disadvantageous. In soccer, if the goalie caught the ball, I would give the opponent a corner kick. I believe the second soccer rule change I've talked about is the penalty kick is ridiculously close that a 14-year-old would be favored to get it past a world-class goalkeeper, move the penalty kick line back. So I liked both of those. But Elijah has responses. He said, like in hockey, the goalie can grab the ball but has a limited time before he has to release it. Otherwise, it becomes a free kick inside the penalty box. The limit time, the time limit is six seconds. So instead of eliminating that the goalie can catch the ball, the referee should be more strict of the rule that the goalie only can hold on to the ball for six seconds. I guess what I would say to that is, in hockey, if they hold it for a second, they blow the whistle dead. Yeah, and I, I would come over the top with Elijah, and I feel very firmly about this. And I understand all the traditionalists in soccer. Oh, we can't change any rule. Well, that's why your game's not as good as American football, because American football changes the rules every year to make it better. If the rule had always been what I described, and then I came out and said, you, the goalie should be able to catch the ball, I would be 
run out of town on a rail. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, Fez. Soccer, you're not supposed to even be able to use your hands, and now you're going to let the, a player actually catch the ball? That is beyond ridiculous. So, yeah, that, so I, I get that. But, you know, six seconds is a long time. I mean, if, if they can hold it for six seconds, why even have the rule? I mean, because yeah, once they hold stuff. it for two seconds, everybody's going to turn around and run around. I mean, and run backwards because the guy has it in his hand and you can't rip it out of his hand. So two seconds, six seconds. I don't like that. I, I didn't think that was a good point. The next one I thought was a decent point, And he said, let's say, like in the game between Croatia and Denmark, that a player has, um, has passed the goalkeeper and is about two meters from the goal, and all he has to do is just no-shot it in with no one protecting the goal. When he's about to shoot, he gets tripped by a defender, resulting in a penalty shot. If now the penalty shot is moved back, it will be a higher probability of him missing it to score. Is that fair? I get that perhaps when it's a penalty shot out shootout to determine the game, then they can move back to penalty shot, but it cannot be moved back for all penalty shots. I, I guess my response to that, Steve, would be they're already going to trip that guy. I mean, if he's easily going to tap it in, if they can, they're already going to trip him and take their chance on the penalty shot. Yes, I do think he brings up a good point there. and Similar to the NBA, which does a great job um, quantifying fouls and someone has a fast break and a clear path that they give two shots in the ball, and they certainly could have a, um, a penalty shot from the normal distance, which, which, like you said, if it's an automatic goal, it's still advantageous to tackle the guy if it's a certain goal. But um, you could certainly quantify it to having two different lines, a normal PK, and they, if it was eminent they felt that um, a score was likely and um, have a different line for that. Excellent, excellent work, Steve. As always, great to get Cousin Sal on the program. Just like it's so great to know that you're getting the best tickets at the best prices for anything. Any concert, I'm going Friday night to Counting Crows and live at Hershey Park Stadium. I used to love live, especially when I was in high school. Oh, my feeling coming back again. You didn't know you'd get excellent former offensive line singing here on the show too, did you? Anyway, I got the tickets at SeatGeek. And I've been telling everybody, SeatGeek's a great place to go right now to finish up summer concerts, but also preseason games, preseason NFL games. It's like kayak for tickets. So they search everywhere, all the different websites, to get the best ticket prices so you can shop and compare and buy. It's awesome. And how about this? They even give you a code, Even Money, the name of the podcast, a code Even Money to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So get the app on your phone, put the promo code Even Money in there, and get $20 off already the best prices on these tickets that you want for a concert or a preseason game SeatGeek man use the code even money on the app SeatGeek life's an event we have the tickets and we have finished up an awesome awesome edition of the even money podcast if you enjoyed that 
as much as I did, please rate and review the show. That's huge for us. If you haven't checked out any of our other shows, like the Fantasy Feast with Evan Silva from Road to World, it's obviously fantasy time these days. If you want to get keep up to date on the NFL every day, we got the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. If you like the business side of it, Andrew Brandt has the business of sports. And if you're a college guy, the College Draft Podcast. We've got you covered no matter what your football fetish, your football disease, your football sickness may be. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.